0: Hello and welcome to the Raising Men Show and I'm your host Craig Carlisle. Super Tuesdays right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia and also on the theraisingmenshow.com Also welcoming us again to the remnant media family of products so keep praying for us we're excited for what the lord is doing in our lives right back into the series that we're in right now our story talk about our first year I've got my two youngest sons in studio along with my 17 year old in studio talking about where we are where we've been and how they felt that they've come through going into this eighth year eighth year eight is the number of new beginnings So we've been through completion, now we're into the new. Where are you at in your journey of grief and discovery? Are you in the new? Are you going through? Are you completing? Are you running from it? Grief is no real way to to do it right. It's just a way to do it wrong. And the wrong way to do it is not to embrace it, not to go through it, and to avoid it. And we don't want to do that. We want to share our story, which is a message of hope. Right back into the series. Hit us up on social media. And let me know, let us know if it's if it's worth it. Should we continue? Should we not share? We're going to do it for us because we know this is what we're called to do. But should we do it for you? But she would always, I don't remember, she would always say, oh, this, this cancer, this illness I've got is not unto death, not into death. I'm going to be healed. I'm, I'm good. But it was, it was always something that, in fact, I don't, I think we, I remember the day I threw it away because we were, we were preparing to move from that house. And that was one of the first things I grabbed to throw away. Why is that? Because I remember the prep for that book and the amount of effort that she already knew that she needed to put in to make sure that we were taken care of. Yes, sir.
1: Were you there when she died?
0: No, I was not. Where were you? I was home. It was like 530 ish or 5 ish in the morning and I could call from Jackie Johnson. She was one of the people that was there also. And she called me, and I—I'll never forget that call because when people have good news for you, they never call you, wake you up to tell five you good news. In the yeah, yeah, five o'clock. No, nothing good happens after. They will let you sleep and then call you in the morning. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I won the lottery. Call me at 2 three, or two, three, four o'clock in the Can morning. You split it with me or no? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's always tragedy when folks, you know, call and wake you up and and think they have the reason to, and and, and there was a reason. Um. Oh, your granddad was there too, because at that point he had come. Do you think he knew too? No, no, no. Wait, let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. That memory's fuzzy. No, he was not there at that point. He was not. I was. It was. So, so the day that I got the call that when Mom died from Jackie, the words were, "Um, she's gone." They called it. She's dead. She was there. She and Kasia were there in the room. You had to wear
2: masks there.
0: Because the amount of chemotherapy or cancer-killing radiation treatment that your mom was getting, her body could no longer fight off basic germs. Or if you if one of us oh, had yeah, a cold, it was, it was she to keep would keep her. her safe.
1: Who's to keep her safe? That's what, uh,
3: that's what I remember.
0: Yep, it was to keep her they safe. Were
3: training for COVID.
0: It, it, <laughs> we were training. Yeah, that's wild. We did have we wear gloves. We used to have to wear the gowns. We used to have to wear the masks.
1: Because I remember whenever the the first time went there, the lady said, "Make sure you put these on to keep her safe, keep not her for, safe. Uh, to keep her safe."
0: Yep. She had radiation from her skull down to her waist because they were trying to, you know, while she laid flat so they could kill this cancer in her back. And they were putting, like, what do you call the chemotherapy into her spine directly as well, flushing it through there. But, you know, that was, and it basically was making her body stop functioning in an effort to kill the cancer, to try to help, flu- let your body heal enough to get back on its feet. It's funny, you said I never thought about the COVID part. Hmm.
1: What I had to elaborate on when you, the people in the house. <laughs> what was, how did you tell us, and what was our reaction to when he told us, or did we not really? I, well,
0: oh, there was a reaction. Oh, go ahead. we well, talked was, about part of it uh, last time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny because with, with with no, because with Brian and. Caden being here—that was one of the stories that we first told, because we had—I um, didn't—we didn't have that group conversation the day she died. We had that group conversation probably.
3: I think she had been dead a few days. No, 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 no—not that one. That group
0: conversation came about a month or less before. Which one? The that one where? Yeah, but everybody's in the house.
3: No, that was no. She didn't pass time, but... Mm-mm
0: because we had to have that conversation with you guys because the the conversation with everybody at the house, because that was the conversation to tell everybody that she wasn't coming home again. That wasn't the conversation. So the first conversation we had several months prior before she went to Loma Linda was in like August when we were prepping. This conversation was like January because we had already spent, we had spent Thanksgiving and Christmas in Loma Linda. Because Thanksgiving we dealt, we, we made the whole fried turkey. We took it all up there. card table, everything. Cashew made sides. We made stuff. And the whole sh- us shuttling back and forth with stuff. Christmas we didn't bring any food. Because she told us not to. Don't bring any food like that. I'm good. And then we just went back, went up to at, at get Ken and Doris's house afterwards for dinner when we finally came through. Because there was somebody that was looking to meet us over there. And I can't, we were going to meet somebody. I think, um... I don't know who we were, with. we were going to meet somebody. either and
3: it might have been Uncle Chase.
0: Either that or or Marshall's current wife. We were going to meet somebody special.
3: Probably Marshall
1: when they were dating at first. Yeah,
0: Tiana. I think we were supposed to meet Tiana over there.
1: Yeah, that was it. That was it. I remember on Doris. Room. Oh, meet her at... At Ken's house. Oh, yeah, right. I think you're talking about at the hospital. No, that's, no, no, no. That's no my about. fault. That's why I was no, confused. my fault. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think that's who it was. And and Cassius stayed at the hospital with her for Christmas. So when we had this meeting, I had already been wrestling with the with the doctors. I had had two serious meetings with the doctors, where the doctors was like, "Cause your mom didn't know how sick she was, not from a pure medical. This is what your prognosis was. I wouldn't let the doctors tell her, and so because I was, she believed that she was going to be healed and come home. And the first meeting, I got them to be shook off and they left me alone. The second meeting, they said, we have to tell her because by us prolonging this, we're violating patient health information. Though you're her husband, she's the patient. We have to tell
3: her, even if you don't like it, we have got to tell her the truth. How much do you think would have changed if you told her that you heard that she wasn't going to make it through it from the beginning? I think
0: I think it would have changed a lot, because I think she would have given up her will to fight to hang on as long as she did, because for the amount of pain she went through, and to believe that you're not coming going to make it, I think it would have changed everything. So where he's, where Caden is at, I shared earlier that I believed that the Lord had told me that she was not coming home. So I already knew from the verse, very first time that the doctor was telling us that she was, what kind of cancer she had and she was going to be okay. And, oh yeah, Mr. Carlisle, if you had to pick a cancer to have, this is the cancer you want to have. Don't worry about it. Long life. Don't worry about it. She may get it a couple times, but she'll be fine. So from that moment in March, I had started to grieve. So I already knew she was going to die and we were going to be on our own. And to get to that point where the doctors are now telling me that we have got to tell her that the only time she'll come home is if we send her on hospice care. Hospice care means they send a patient home. With a nurse. With a. Yes. And it's it's just a comfort provider. They're not allowed to provide them any IV stuff no painkillers that require, require needles, and if they can't eat for themselves, by the time they, a lot of them can't feed themselves, well, not, not a lot, it's not true. In mom's case, she could feed herself, yes, but it hurt to eat because she had had the radiation that basically burned her esophagus, so it hurt to swallow, and she wasn't tasting the real taste of the food, so food did not interest her a lot. So she was losing weight really fast, and so the only thing that was keeping her you know hydrated and basically functioning was the IV fluid she was getting. And I don't know if you guys remember those, the stuff that was hanging on the bag, that gold bag of stuff that was hanging there that she was getting. And she was getting blood transfusions and platelets. So that was all prolonging her body, the stuff they were giving her. And so that day, I remember we're talking about that meeting. I called ahead and we assembled everybody who could come. They said, stop what you're doing, break glass. We got to go. We have to have this conversation. I went, I went to, Brandon and Ashley's place first to tell Shane. So we told Shane first. Shane. That mom was not coming home again. And so.
1: What was Shane's reaction?
0: Oh, he cried. He cried. It was, it was, it was. I knew I had to tell him first because he was the oldest. You know, and I needed him to be settled. I needed him to take as much time as he needed to get whatever he questioned he may have because at that point, you know, he was seventeen.
1: Cause she, so you said she died for on day before Shane's eighteenth birthday, yep, right?
0: Yep. And and my concern was, did you
1: tell Shane on it the day before or the, the day she died? Or wait.
3: He knew, but um, no, it was the same. The, the day that Dad told us that um, she wasn't coming back, Dad told Shane before. They all came. To I don't remember what that
1: day was. Was that the same day she
3: died, or was it? After? No, no, it was, it, before, it was before she died. It before. was when he dad told us that she wasn't coming back. Oh. right. So it was
0: like it was like a month or less, because that. In fact, it was like it was less than a month because when that time, right about that time, I started making preparations because Miss Sharon had given me the idea that we would have Shane's graduation in Mom's room, so that's why that started taking place really quick, because we weren't sure how much time she had left because the doctors weren't gonna do anything more for her. And the doctors wanted to send her home basically to die. And I had to make sure that for one, we knew what was happening. And so to answer your question, after we, well you should, what did Shane say? So Shane's question for me was would I still be his dad? Because I wasn't, I had not adopted Shane. Because Shane's dad was not going to allow that, we and we didn't ask him, but we knew that Neil was not going to have that. We just knew, and it wasn't because of us not me not wanting to adopt him or anything. We just knew that Neil was trying his best to at least stay so connected to Shane enough, though it wasn't. It never was enough for us. It wasn't, but, and it wasn't because he did anything wrong. It was just Shane's a great kid. He's a great young man. And for him to, for his dad to basically have not been around for so many years, there was never really going to be enough that he probably ever could do to make us feel like, oh yeah, he's a great inspiration and that's just, you know, yay, you know. But over the years, in fact, let's skip this whole, put a pen right there and just show this quick story. After mom died and I got a chance to interact with Neil Moore, um... It takes me back to when I first met Neil over the phone after mom and I got married and we moved into the Marietta house before you guys were all born. And I used to remember I picked up, I was talking to him on the phone and said, look, I want to make sure that you know who I am because I'm the guy who's going to be raising your son. And I need you to know that I'm not going to do anything to hurt your son. If you ever want to come and see your son, you're always welcome. I said, but I'm treating him like I'm treating any of my own sons, which I didn't have at that time. I only had him. I said, but but you, because I'd asked to speak to him a lot before, and he wouldn't make time for me. know, I don't know. I, eventually, I want to ask Neil why that was. But I just knew, had I had some other man going to be raising my kids, I want to know who you are. I want to get your phone number. I need to know where my kid is. I need to make sure you're not doing nothing. I need to make sure that you know that if you do something to my kid, I'm coming for you. But so that's the mindset I had. So when we told Shane, I wanted to make sure he knew where, you know, where we were as a relationship, as a father-son. And when Shane went after, you know, we just sat there listening, you know, he asked me, you know, will I still be his dad? And I was like, well, of course, yeah. It's just going to make our relationship that much stronger. Nothing changes. We're still there. And so we came to the house and when I began to tell that the room already knew except for you guys and that was that was really the sick joke we were talking about the last week because everybody had been in the house before I got there, right? And it, to you all, I might have just said, oh, it's cool. Everybody's here. That's kind of cool, right? But for the reason why they were there was just unfortunate. And... I'll never forget when I when I told you guys that she wasn't coming home you screamed. I did? Yeah. I'll never forget the sound. Uh, I, I don't even want to try to even reproduce it but all you did was yell. And it was just to me it just it filled the house. And it tore me apart because it was like there was no way that anybody could ever do anything to make you stop crying. And there was nobody was ever going to try to make you stop crying because I was your mom and you were the youngest one. And you were always closer to her than you were to me. And you were the only one of your brothers that when I would come into a room and leave a room that you wouldn't respond. If she would leave a room or come in the room, you were reaching for her. That you you were her son. The rest of y'all, please. I come in the room, leave a room. If you all were coming in with me, you would be leaving with me. And that's just the way things were. Even with Shane, I, and he was five when I got him. He he and I spent I spent a lot of time making sure I bonded with him, and. Um, She, your mom and I had talked when we were still in the Marietta house before you or Evan were born. She told me she says, "Nothing better not ever happen to you and I in marriage because, or you, you know, you can't die early because I can't raise these kids. They don't want to. They don't. They don't respond to me like they respond to you." So I don't know why that is, but they just do not respond to me. So not even Shane. Shane don't even don't even respond to me like he responds to you, and you're not even his real father. And I was like, well. I don't know why that is, but I've always been present with you guys from day one.
2: Wait, quick question. Yes, sir. Just to this day, you're, you haven't fully adopted Shane? I couldn't. Oh.
0: No. So the answer would be no.
2: I was going to ask that same question.
1: You, I was going to mm. say, were you able to ever adopt Shane? No. Could you go to court for it?
2: I'm not saying do it, but I'm just you saying. You
0: cannot now because he's over 18. When you be So that's key. When you're over 18, you're a legal adult. Only thing you cannot do is legally buy alcohol. Which is stupid because you can go to the to the Mil- military, buy alcohol,
1: military, and get trained to kill people. Exactly, but you can't drink alcohol.
0: Yeah, to dull the pain of killing another man. But I can vote for people who I don't really know or understand. I can kill people. I can go to prison, big man prison, but I can't buy alcohol. All uh, right, that
1: doesn't really make much sense. That
0: doesn't make any sense at all. But I mean, but
1: in like other countries, like the like Lent or like. United Kingdom, you can drink at like the age of 18 or something like
0: that. Or and in some cases less. You can drive at like 13, depending yeah. on what you're doing, depending on the situation, right? You are kind of in the outback and stuff like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. it just depends. But for us, when you started crying, everyone else began, I think, to realize what was happening. Because everybody, I think, still kind of thought in... in in the hopeful way, because we're kids, right, Mm -hmm. that she was coming home eventually. No one expected her not to ever come back home. That was never in the plan that anybody had. So that became hard. But then the day she died, though, I think you you asked the question. That day, Shane was the only one of the kids who went with me to the hospital. And I let him go because he was the oldest one. And I didn't want my fault if it, that that if that makes any of you feel some kind of way. But I just I didn't know how to process what to do with a four, six, was it seven Nine. and eight year old?
1: Yes. Yeah, mm, uh,
0: going to the hospital. to I just I just could not imagine you all looking at her her body that that last week. I just I couldn't get I could not wrap my head around that. I just. And 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 talk about hospice care. The doctors wanted to send her home. So I think you asked me too something about um, if it would have made a difference if I had she known earlier. Had Mom died before Shane turned, or close, you know, any sooner than Shane turning eighteen the following morning, I would not have. I could only think I could have done for him legally. Well, legally, I couldn't done anything for him. He was on my medical insurance because his mom said it was okay. But if Shane had gone to the hospital, if if we had had an accident, the hospital couldn't do anything for him but stabilize him until Neil came there present to give his consent for medical care.
2: What happened with Shane's siblings? Like not us, but like Cameron and uh, Colin.
0: What happened to them?
2: Like were they there? no 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 they were, not, they were not there
0: we we knew of Cameron yes we had met then. Had, yes once right. or twice
3: yeah before
0: then yes I think a year or so before that a year it or was,
3: two it was funny what's it called when they put the blindfold on her well no Well, when, I, I don't remember that part but I remember when she was there uh, someone said I think it was you or some someone introduced her to us and they're like this is Shane's sister yeah and then we were all like well if it's Shane's sister and Shane's our brother she's our sister too so yeah. I don't and like I think someone was trying to like tell us, is like, no, mom. she's not your, she's not your sister. I was like, well, she's Shane's sister, so I don't see how that, like, I don't get it. And then I remember someone said that she was really moved, how like already connected we were to her. Yeah,
0: mom told that story because when she came to the house that very first time in Menifee, um, and we introduced her as, or mom introduced her as Shane's sister. <laughs> Everybody, y'all kind of looked at her and like looked at each other like. Like, Like, do we have a
3: secret sister they didn't tell us about? Right. I was like, why have we never met her before, though? Right. And
0: the way I got the story was after that whole conversation had taken place. As long as, like, y'all kind of, like, got together. (laughs) The four of you was, like, pulled mom to the side, like, okay, we don't get it.
3: How come? And just, like, you told it. I think it was me and, like, Ryan. or, I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. So she tells me, she goes, well, they they just pretty much asked us.
0: If that's Shane's sister, then... And Shane's our brother, right? He was like, yeah, that
3: means that Cameron's our sister, right? And she was trying to explain, well, no, because I'm like I'm hard headed, so it's like, that's where the I think one way, and it's going to be difficult to make me think a different way. But your
0: logic is was still truthful. But then, but that was the first day you guys had ever heard that I was not Shane's
3: real dad. We didn't even know Shane wasn't biologically related to us for a while. Well, he
0: is biologically related to you. He's half, like half, fully half. related,
1: right?
3: But same parent,
1: but right? We still have the same mom, so that's good enough.
0: Right, so that was, that was different there than at any you know, other point, but... Just track it up, it'll be in the mute thing. Yeah, I'm trying... Okay, sorry about that. But he's... So that was, that was a different kind of time. But like I said, Cameron was, she was always excited to, to see you guys and to be a part of you guys. Even hearing from her now, you know she's always excited to hear, but she was not there during that conversation.
1: Did we ever really get it then? Huh? Did we ever really get it then?
3: That she yeah, never oh wasn't yeah, yeah. Her sister, or or technically wasn't her sister. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it ever, it, it never. I mean, we already like assimilated her into the group, so it yeah. was like kind of too late for us to click it. Yeah, click, and even then it was like, well, I mean, we already like her, so yeah, you don't really see a reason to kick her out.
0: Yeah, and she's good
3: people. She's good. Good people. I kind of felt like the ringleader, and I was like, "I think I probably said it out loud." And then the rest was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, everybody's gonna win with it." Yeah.
0: When you think about where we are
3: now after these eight years, what do you think about how much different people we are? I mean, of course we were eight years older, but yeah. In terms of how it's changed us and we've shaped into. Different people through the different things we've learned and how we've dealt with what it's given us, both the good and the bad parts of it. Yeah. You kind of see and look back how you got, you just got to see the growth, you know. Yeah. 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 I Evan, you've been mighty silent.
1: Yeah. I got a question.
3: Um, I can't
1: remember. Hold on.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. Do you guys remember going to class and stuff after? No. Well, what's it called? Um,
2: I don't really remember. Was I even in school? Sorry. Was I in school?
0: Mm-mm, you were in preschool.
2: I don't really remember much. I I don't really remember after that day everything. It kind of just feels like nothing, and then I kind of pop back into reality, and then when
0: what's your what's your what's your like, first?
2: It goes from the day when we were it starts from when we were jumping from back and forth to the garage to the office and then everything disappears and then it goes to sometime in like third grade or sometime hanging out with zeke and rowan outside Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah we always do that a lot hanging out with zeke and rowan because zeke was on the street he was on the same street, or
3: street, like...
2: I mean, everybody, I'm pretty sure everybody was on the same street, because it all just...
0: No, 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 around. no, I was just trying to remember it was Zeke on the was street before my Mom was alive. Ma, mom was alive.
2: So, di-
1: the only person I can remember that I knew, and that I know that knew Mom for sure... Was Rowan. No, was David Jager, because I met him in preschool, and we were friends in preschool, and then I went to his house, and Mom picked me from his house, and then met... Because I remember that David's mom said that she knew mom.
0: Yeah, there's so many different things and so many different ways and shapes and memories that are lost and things that we wish we could get back. And that's one thing I wanted to share with everyone that listens to our story. And we sit here and reminisce as a family about the things that we did know, don't know, remember, and don't remember as we start to get certain the facts jumbled and put out of place. What I want folks to understand is that you've got to make the most of every day that you possibly can because you don't, you're do not you not guaranteed a do-over. You're not entitled to, to have every bit of moment in the, in the, or the last piece of cake that you may have wanted, the last hug that you wanted to give that you thought you could get later. Only thing that's guaranteed is that we're going to all die at some point. You're going to see God again and whether or not you stay with him in heaven or you stay on and go into that extra hot place that's up to you and how you live your life but I knew these particular days would come when my children couldn't remember details about their mom they couldn't remember what their mother's voice sounded like or they couldn't remember you know what she did with them or or a a holiday or a place we went together or things like that but what they'll never forget is the fact that she loved them viciously and I don't want to say viciously in, in a negative sense but she loved them passionately she loved them viciously she loved hard and she made sure that these boys knew that no matter if she was there today tomorrow or gone the next that they knew exactly who she was to them their mother and that's all that's important right now and that's why we should always tell the ones that matter that you love them now granted there's some folks that don't matter and You know, we have to love them with the love of the Lord, that agape love, that that love that you have for Christ and Christ alone. We've got to love everybody in that manner, but you don't have to be in community with everyone because not everyone is healthy. It's not everyone's time to take your time and to, to occupy space in your mind. But that's for another series, another day. This is the Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. See you next week.